done. We'll get your Bibles open this morning, if you would, to Second Chronicles. I want to give you a word the Lord put on my heart. And how many, how many learners do I have in here this morning? How many like to learn? And how many like to learn before something bad happens? I love preventative learning. Amen. And there was a lady, this would just kind of lead in. I want to talk in just a second about looks being deceiving. Amen. Looks can be deceiving. That's what I want to talk about this morning. And this lady's looking at this man in the bus across the way there as they sit sideways and he's reading a newspaper and she says sir are you jewish and he's reading the paper and he says no and so a little bit of time goes on and she says again sir are you jewish and she he says no ma'am no and so a little time goes on and one more time the lady says sir are you sure you're not jewish and the guy finally just says yes i'm jewish to get his get her off his case and then she goes well that's weird you don't look jewish and that's how people are sometimes. Amen. But I want to have Chris put up a scripture in a second. Don't do it yet. I want to look at 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 9. And I want to show you something very interesting this morning. How many know that when we have, um, when we see something, there's a thought that goes into our minds about what we see immediately. Now, when I say this, this is just so you know, this is not an appearance message. That obviously is something that, uh, it comes into play, but this is not an appearance message. I, this is not where that's going. I want to talk more about, um, and I, when I mean appearance, I don't mean physical. But a lot of times we see people or we see things, and we, uh, as they say, we judge the book by its cover. Amen? That's another famous saying. Don't judge a book by its cover. And we all do that. And, and, and you know, here we are even talking today about this stuff that's going on, and we many times uh, just automatically assume things, and, and the sad thing is is today we have to almost begin to assume things because the way things are going, we have to be careful of what we're seeing and what's going on in the world. But in the spiritual world, I think a lot of times we see things or hear things and perceive things that are not necessarily what they are. And I want to read from Second Chronicles chapter 9 something very, very interesting. How many know about Solomon? Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. The Bible says he was the wealthiest man. I've talked before. I don't have the stats this morning about how much money and how much riches Solomon had. I mean, it was ridiculous amounts. Money we can't even uh, fathom today uh, in our own understanding. But I want to read something because I, I, this caught me. And it's amazing how you can just continue to live, uh, learn over and over, no matter how old you are or how long you've been saved. I want to read from uh, verse 9. And if you'll read, um, actually I want to read from verse 22, but in your own time, read on the whole chapter of Second Chronicles chapter 9. How many remember when the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon? And she was just amazed. She, she was blown away by his wisdom. She was blown away by his riches. Uh, if you if you were to read just a few verses in there, uh, she begins to see. Let's look at just verse three for a second. It says that she gets there and sees the wisdom and the house that had been built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, the cup bearers and their apparel, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There were there was no more spirit in her. And so this is interesting because if you picture back to a Thanksgiving dinner, maybe that's the, the best we get all year, right? That's like the, we, we get, we get 
dressed up. We make that table look real nice before we eat. And it doesn't matter the means you have. It just It's more than any other time of the year. And Or if you've ever gone into a, a wedding and seen an amazing reception and seen just that amazing, amazing uh, uh, tables and linens and silver and plates and all this. She was walking into this, and you got to realize this wasn't a special day. This isn't every day for Solomon, right? And you can imagine marble, granite floors, shiny and columns and pillars and all these things, and she's just blown away. And when it talks about, how many knows when it talks about the, the, the apparel of the cupbearers and the waiters, he had, he had some money, amen? If, if she was amazed by the way the servants looked, She's probably thinking to herself as she sees these servants, man, they got better clothes on than I do. And she, they're servants, and I'm supposed to be a queen. How many have ever had those kind of thoughts, you know? Well, looks can be deceiving. That's what I want to say this morning. Looks can be deceiving. I was getting gas this morning at the shell over there just a couple miles away, and as I was putting gas in, a, a nice probably 2007 or 8 Lexus pulled up next to me. And I just like, I was, I was admiring. I was like, wow, it was a nice Lexus. And there was three people in it. And this lady gets out. She had raggedy clothes on. And she says, I'm not, I'm not going to do nothing. She jumps out the car. I'm not going to do nothing. And she says, but, but can you help us? We need some gas. And she was talking so fast, I couldn't even understand what she needed to go, where she needed to go, or who she was going to visit. But I said, I'll put $10 in your tank. She was asking for monetary money. I said, I'll put money in your tank, gas in your tank, but I won't give you money. But here's this girl jumping out of a Lexus. You know, I don't know what they were doing, right? So looks can be deceiving. And so we never know uh, just by the car someone's driving that you're not expecting someone to jump out and ask you for money, right? And she was in the back seat. Of course, the passenger and the driver didn't even want to get out, and they were guys. So I don't know what was going on. I don't know what transpired after that, but I put some gas in their car, and God knows that I did it from my heart. Amen. So, but looks can be deceiving. So I read this story this week, and it was so amazing. Chris, can you turn this down just a little bit? It seems a little bit loud to me. I want to look at verse 22. So, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. There's the, there's the, the, the verse that says he was the richest, wisest man to ever live. Okay? Too, too low? richest wisest man to ever live okay now when we read something like that as human beings we can just automatically especially at this time of the year at christmas we can just automatically say man i wish i was rich man i wish i had a lot of money we don't really go for the wisdom side as much but man i wish i i wish you know we just start thinking ah our minds can just go okay and is that true I'm talking to human beings in here, right? We can just think, man, because I know there's nobody in here that doesn't need money, doesn't wish they had, didn't have more money. And so we can automatically hear a verse like that, and we can be like, man, and you know what? We've used this verse, people use these verses to talk about how God wants to bless us and how God wants to give us things. And, uh, and, and we've used this for, for talking about how God wants to prosper us. And, uh, but I'm going to show you something very interesting in here this morning. Verse 23 says, And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Now watch this. I want you to pay attention to 24, 25, 26. Each man brought his present. Now this is a funny thing to me. You ever notice that the rich just get richer? Do you, do you know that people that don't need hand-me-outs get hand-me-outs? 
You think about these famous athletes that make millions of dollars to play sports. They don't have to buy clothes or shoes, sometimes cars. They go to restaurants, and, and owners of restaurants want them to come eat there, and they'll give them their food. I, I heard Michael Jordan never pays for a meal. That's nice. I mean, he has all the money in the world. He could go into a restaurant, pay for everybody's meal, but he never has to pay for a meal because the owner wants to say, Michael Jordan eats in my restaurant. And so here we are seeing a rich, wealthy man, and now these people are coming to visit him, and what are they going to do? They're going to give him more stuff. Okay? They couldn't just come and, hey, how's it going? They come to give him more stuff. Okay, So we see that they're all bringing something. And, and it says they, they, they sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Now watch this. Each man brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, armor. Today you could just picture an armored Humvee coming up with rims and, you know, a sound system and all that, right? spices, the most expensive cologne, horses, and mules. Now today that would be cars, okay? okay, And, 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 and at a rate set year by year. So every year these kings would come visit and they would come give him stuff. He did not need it, he just got more, 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 more. And Solomon, look at this, had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots. Now again, we, they didn't have cars back then. How many have ever seen a 10-car garage? Okay, there's houses that, I, that's the biggest one I've ever seen. I saw a several million dollar house that had 10-car garage. That would be for 10 horses. Solomon had a 4,000-car garage. Okay, that's a big garage, amen, because that's how they got around back then, by the horse. 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots, 12,000 horsemen, so he had 12,000 people driving him around whom he stationed in the chariot cities. We'd had cities with chariots, okay? And with the king at Jerusalem. So he reigned over all the kings from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. Lord, I ask this morning that as I read a few more verses and as I bring forth what you've showed me, that you would anoint our ears. On this Sunday morning, God, we have praised and worshiped and we're in the spirit right now, and we ask that we would not be distracted, and we ask that we would be able to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and learn something from your word this morning. We bind every spirit of distraction, every spirit of flesh, every spirit of, of problem, and, and, and uh, anything that would come against your precious word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I read all that and said all that to get you to get a picture that we see Solomon as this amazing, rich man of God. This amazing, rich man of God. Now, Chris, put that verse up there for me, if you would. I want you to read this verse with me. I want you to look at this. I'm going to leave it up there, the whole service. How many want to have a devotion to God this morning? A devotion to God. There's something inside of us that, that we cannot see. I can't see yours, and you cannot see mine. Looks can be deceiving. You cannot see how much I love God, and I cannot see how much you love God. Now, I, we can go into, they'll be known by their fruits and all the different things that you can say, but nobody but me and God knows my devotion to God. Nobody but you 
and God know your devotion to God. Meaning at the, and when the rubber meets the road, when push comes to shove, when, when, when all hell's breaking loose, whether with much or with little, whatever situation you're in, there's a devotion there. Okay, there's a, there's a love there. There's a commitment there that is so powerful. And this verse says something very interesting. Paul is, is preaching to these churches as he's, he's talking to these churches. And he says, I'm afraid. And it was a godly fear. Now listen, as I preach this, I'm not preaching this because anything's happened or happening. This is a preventative message. Those are good messages. But I'm afraid, he says, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from what is sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Okay? So as we talk this morning about our walk with God and we talk about our devotion to the Lord, some would say things get in the way. Some would say poverty gets in the way. Some would say relationships get in the way. And there's things that can get in the way. But what you individually have to do in your walk with God is say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to walk with you in such a way that there's nothing in this world that would ever cause the sincerity and purity of my heart to not be devoted to you. Okay? And I believe that as I said that, in your spirit, you're saying, God, that's my desire. That is my heart. That, I, I want to be pure. I want to be sincere before you. And, and, and how many know that we do make mistakes? We do do things that are wrong. We do fall. But there's nothing worse than, than falling or making a mistake and not really realizing why you fell or what mistake you made. And so I believe that we can have a relationship with God that says, God, guard me and keep me from falling. Guard me and keep me from anything that would cause me to be in a place that I'm walking as a Christian without a true devotion to Christ. Okay? Y'all with me? So, powerful verse. He says, I'm afraid. So, it, it, there's, a, there's a, a godly fear in us. The Bible says at the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. Okay? And so, one of the keys to a strong Christian walk is fearing the Lord. But a godly fear. And saying, God, I'm walking in boldness, I'm walking in courage, I'm walking in strength, but I'm walking knowing that, that I have to watch where I walk. I have to watch how I walk. I have to be careful that people are looking at me, people are watching me, that I have a target on my back as a believer of Jesus Christ. And Lord, don't let me be deceived by the serpent. Don't let me be deceived by the devil. Don't let any spirit come into my life that is not of you that would cause me to fall fall away because I want to tell you something as I read those verses and we read about Solomon and his wisdom and the visit from Queen Sheba and the amazement of all these kings when we read that Solomon is not in good standing with God let me say that again Solomon is not in good standing with God okay so looks can be deceiving we can look at, and I don't say this message to cause us to judge people. I'm just saying that we have to be understanding that God weighs the intentions of the heart. Jeremiah says that the, that the heart is the most wicked thing. Who can know it? Who can control it? And we know who does and who can, and it's God. 
You have to, to, in a way, build a wall around your heart and be careful that nobody gets in. I don't mean that in an untrusting way or an unloving way because you'll never do anything for God if you don't uh, trust and, and love, but you have to guard your heart above all things. And so we see this picture of Solomon, and I want to show you how and why, okay? And, 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 and I'll, get, I'll get to something in a second. Go back in the, in the Bible a little bit with me to something very interesting. Now, as I said that, it might have shocked some of you that Solomon was not in good standing with God. Okay, we know from the Bible how Solomon ended up. I can say that today with absolute assurance because I know the end of the book. I know how the Bible ends. Now, I want, last week I talked about what do you want to be when you die and what's in your dash and, and what are you doing to make a difference in your life. And on that same note, I want you to think this morning about the importance of understanding that nothing you do for God matters if you don't finish. Nothing. Absolutely nothing to the 50 millionth power. Nothing you do for God matters if you don't finish. Y'all with me on that? God is not going to give us rewards in heaven before we go to hell. If you don't finish the race, if you don't end up in heaven, if you don't finish the walk that God called you to walk, nothing you did for God matters. You must finish, you must get to the end. And you must cross the finish line. Meaning I'm going to have a a heart that says, I will not quit. I will not give up. I will not go backwards because there's nothing to go back to. Amen. I'm going to finish this race. I'm going to go across the line. I'm going to stand before God. And I'm going to say, God, it was worth everything I had to lay down. Everything I had to cut off of my life so that nothing holds me back. And nothing causes my sincere and pure devotion to Christ to be hindered. Nothing. Now some might say, I wish I had more. I wish I had this, and I wish I had that. But I want you to understand, there's nothing wrong with things if things don't have you. You can have things if things don't have you. Okay, that, that's, that's a truth. God's not concerned with things. He, he's happy for you to have the desires of your heart as long as they don't have your heart. So someone might say, you know, riches and things and house, cars, and all those are bad. No, they're not bad. They're bad if they have their heart, which we know in many cases it's the truth. But God individually with us shows us and knows better than us what we can handle and what we cannot handle. Okay? And so what's interesting is there comes a time when God begins to bless you Physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, maritally, in every way, ministry-wise. And he begins to pour things on you out of his grace and out of his love. But he pours it on in a way that we would be good stewards. He's always looking for stewardship. He's always watching to make sure that what I have, whether it's little or much, is for his glory. Okay? So as I read those things about Solomon, I want you to catch this. I'm going to get to the, the gist of this. Solomon's blessed and rich and powerful, and wise, and wealthy, and famous. All the things that many people want today, and as I asked last week, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've never heard anybody say, I want to be poor. 
I want to go to, I want to be in jail. I want to be dead. I, those aren't the things people aspire to. They talk about fame and money and riches and, and all these different things because those are things that attract us. That's what, that's what TV tells us we should want and it's what we should have. And so we have these views of things. And, but how many know that, that a lot of what we see in Hollywood and in music and all those different things is a facade? It's just a facade. It's just, a, it's, just a, it's just a front because those people get to a place where they're in love with money and they're in love with things and they don't have a relationship with anybody. They don't know who they can trust. They think that people are coming to them for their money and most of the time they are. They have leeches all around them asking for things and, 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 and they go to ruin at the end of their lives because they don't have balance in their lives and obviously they don't have the Lord. But you can have other people who can have riches and have lots of money. Most of the people I've met in my life that have a lot of money don't look like they have money. They don't look like it. They'll be the ones that are driving a used car. They'll be the ones that are wearing older clothes sometimes. They don't shop at the new places. They don't look like they have money because they don't need to. A lot of times you see someone who looks rich. They're usually not. I've talked to many salesmen over the years, real estate, uh, not, not just real estate, commissions, uh, whatever sales, you sell everything, and they'll have the baddest watch, and the baddest shoes, and the baddest suit, and the baddest car, and be up here in debt, especially in those multi-level marketing things, they look like they've got money, but they don't. Looks can be deceiving. A lot of times in the Christian world, we can look like we're godly. We can look like we've got it together. We can look like we're holy and righteous. And maybe we are. But looks can be deceiving. And so we have to guard personally that nothing comes in and deceives us. Meaning, and here's the key. If you're taking notes, if you don't get anything else out of this, get this. The simplicity of obedience. The simplicity of obedience. You can't get anything right in your life. Get that right. Be obedient. Be obedient to the Lord. Because what he's saying here is, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds would somehow be led astray. What happened to Adam and Eve? They disobeyed. It started in the Garden of Eden. He said, you can have everything, but don't touch that tree. And they disobeyed and they wanted more than what God said they could have. I, we need to get to a place. The Bible says godliness, contentment with God, godliness with contentment is great gain. Meaning whatever I have at any moment in my life is what God has for me. I'm not saying we don't have to push. We don't have to work. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when we've done all we're supposed to do, we stand and we say, this is what I'm supposed to have. This is where I'm supposed to be and I have peace in my heart. And no matter what I have or don't have, I have God. I have a relationship with Jesus, amen? And so, watch what happened to Solomon. There was instructions given. This was in Deuteronomy, right? I told you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Now, remember that one verse. He's talking about his riches, and he's talking about uh, his wealth, and he's talking about his silver and his gold. And the Bible mentions that he had 4,000 stalls for horses, 4,000 car garage, right? Okay, and he's a king, right? So let me make this clear. Solomon's a king. He's wealthy, he's wise. Now, wisdom can be lost. Okay, wisdom has to be exercised. You can have wisdom, but you have to exercise it. And just before I read this, just in case someone's never read the Bible here, 
Solomon ended up at the end of his life lost and not saved. The Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it mention to us that Solomon came back to the Lord. Okay? If he did, that's between him and God. But the Bible does not say that. The last we know of Solomon, he ends in sin, he ends led astray, and he ends off and not with God. So we're talking about the wisest person in the world who fell. And you might think, well, did God give him wisdom to fail? No, God gave him wisdom to succeed. We abuse what God gives us. Amen? Don't be the person this morning that points the finger at people and blames other people for your problems. You have to answer for your own. I have to answer for my own. We have to pay the fiddler. We have to own up to the things in our lives. If I have a good or bad marriage, if I have a good or bad job, if I have a good or bad relationships, if I have a good or bad bank account, if I have a good or bad house, that's me. Don't be the person that's walking around blaming everybody else. You can't do that in Jesus anymore. You are a new creation, amen? Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And God wants to teach you how to make right decisions. So we see where was Solomon's fall. As I read those verses and said looks can be deceiving, you would read those verses and think, how has he fallen? How is he not in good condition? He's blessed. As they say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. He was too blessed to be stressed, amen? Problem was, he was too blessed to have any common sense. See, one thing you can't teach is common sense. You can't teach it. You, you either have it or you don't, right? So here's what Deuteronomy 17 says. Watch this. This is amazing. He's a king. He has horses, and he has silver, and he has a gold. Verse 14. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among you, sorry, your brethren, you shall set as king over you and you shall not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother now real quick before i read on remember he's giving them the king they want but god was their king okay so we've already gone to the place okay you want a king i'll give you a king verse 16 now watch what it says here what what a king should and should not do but he shall not multiply horses for himself lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of the kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. Watch this. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, you paying attention, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel interesting it's interesting isn't it 
We see Solomon with horses. We see Solomon with silver and gold. We see Solomon building this a big, amazing house. And we think, man, Solomon's got it together. Woo! I want to be like Solomon. You want to be disobedient? Be like Solomon. You want to be in trouble? Be like Solomon. Y'all still, I know it got quiet in here, but it's kind of amazing, isn't it? We see this thing and, and we, we go, wow, I want that. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. Because what you should want to be wishing for is a sincere and a pure devotion to Christ. That should be your desire. And listen, God is the one who brings the increase. God is the one, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 18, very close to there, that says he gives power to get wealth. So don't think wealth is bad or things are bad, but if you keep that right, your sincere and your pure devotion to Christ, then whatever comes from the Lord inside of his word is from God. Okay? So here, make this simple. He, he, what does this mean? It means that when he began to prosper, he should have been thinking, you know what, I need to go back and read the word. I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit too big for my britches here. I need to, let me go back and make sure, let me stop real quick and go back and make sure that my foundation's good. What were the things that, that Moses said I shouldn't do? Oh, I'm not supposed to have horses. Well, I've already bought a couple. Maybe I should give those back. Somewhere along the line, he kept ignoring. You don't just go buy 4,000 horses at one time or build 4,000 stables at one time. You get a few, and then you get a few more. Ask Jay Lono, Jay Leno, right? He has a garage full of hundreds of cars, a very lot of money. You don't just buy them all at once. You collect them, and you collect them, and you collect them, and you collect them. And so somewhere along the line, Solomon, pay attention, began to stop paying attention to what the words of God said. He wasn't listening. He wasn't paying attention because I don't know about you. What we just read was very clear. You shall not have for yourselves horses. It didn't mean he couldn't have a horse. It didn't mean he couldn't have a ride. It meant he didn't need 25 cars or 100 cars or 4,000 cars. Amen? He didn't need uh, he didn't mean he couldn't have money, couldn't have things, but he didn't need to have a safe and, 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 and houses and, and finely dressed waiters. And so he went into excess. He went into things that he did not need. He could have been using that to help people. He could have been using that to be a blessing to the kingdom of God instead of bringing it all. Because I don't know about you, when I read those verses from Queen Sheba, I did not see her give any glory to God. Wow, God is amazing in your life, Solomon. Did y'all notice that? When people look at your life, whether you have much or little, they should see God is amazing in your life. God is amazing in your life. Amen? They should see God. And if he's not, they're not seeing God, then I need to go back to, to the board. This would be a great verse to pin up somewhere, to put somewhere on your fridge, and your mirror, and, and read it every day and say, God, I'm afraid that I will not, I don't want to be deceived just as Eve was. Help me, Lord, keep my devotion to you through sincere and pure love. Guard my heart every day. Okay, y'all still here? Now, I don't know if you, I, matter of fact, I think I skipped that. I did. 
I sure did. Well, that's that was maybe that was the Holy Spirit. Go back to 16 again. I skipped a little line that leads into my next verse. It's amazing how God orchestrates things. Neither shall, sorry, let's read 16 again. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said, you shall not return that way again. Now look at this. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself. People have talked about many times, oh man, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That wasn't God's will. Just because he had them doesn't mean it was God's will. Maybe everything we have and everything we do isn't what God wants us to have and isn't what God wants us to do. Right? So we have to be careful to make sure, and, and, and listen, I, this is an individual thing. This is individual. And listen, I'm not knocking things. I'm not, please, let the Holy Spirit help you. I'm not, I'm not this isn't a, a material thing this morning. It's a heart thing. Because it might be that you don't have any problem with, with anything that has to do with things, but you have problems with relationships. So you have problems with, everybody has things that, that can get in the way of God's pure love from him to us and us to him. And that's what we have to guard from. And, and, and not be so deceived by looks. We're in a looks generation. Look at some of these celebrities. They think they look good after 12 surgeries. In a pointy nose. I look at them and I'm like, how in the world do they look in the mirror and think they're pretty? Come on. I mean, it gets worse and worse and worse, and looks can be deceiving. Say, oh, that person doesn't look that old, or that person, we don't know how old they really are, how many layers they have. Right? That's the generation that we live in. Money can buy everything. Money can buy everything. And, and God is, this is a man who had everything but did not live right. Okay? So now quickly, go with me. I'm going to close up to 1 Kings chapter, sorry, 1 Kings, yes, chapter 11. I'm going to prove to you that Solomon was not in a good state when, he, when Queen Sheba visited him why we read the whole bible don't ever just take a story or a or a fact and run with it go get all the facts together on something because like i said the reason i started this off was we read that first verse and i could have just read that and we could have gone home and went about man i want to be like solomon he was wealthy he had horses he was rich and we walk and, and we walk out yeah i want to be like solomon no you don't because solomon finished wrong why would i be wanting to be like someone who finished wrong I want to follow somebody who's going to finish right. Amen. If you follow somebody who's doing wrong now, they're going to finish wrong. Amen. They're going to, God can help anybody. I'm not saying they can't change, but don't follow someone who's doing it wrong. Put your eyes on somebody who's doing it right and who's been doing it right. And keep your eyes. That's, what, that's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He didn't say follow me. As I follow me. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Meaning, I follow Paul until he stops following Christ. And if he stops following Christ, then I stop following Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. So if you're watching someone's life or marriage or ministry, and you admire it, follow it as long as they follow Christ. And as soon as they turn away, you find someone else. So don't 
don't follow Solomon because it sounds good and looks good. Looks can be deceiving. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 11, 1 Kings 11. And my, verse says, my, my Bible says right here above, I know a few people have the same Bible, Solomon's heart turns from the Lord. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. From the nation of whom the Lord had said, watch this, from the nation of the Lord, from whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not, we need to get the shall not back into our spirits. Amen. You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Why? See, that's the problem sometimes. Don't ask God why. What, how, how many parents hate it when their kids say, why? And what's the answer? Because I said so, right? Don't ask God why. You want to get yourself in trouble? Ask God why. Go ahead. Was it yesterday I sent that verse out? Anybody, anybody have the, I'll let you use your phone for a second. Somebody read that verse to me from your phone yesterday. Quickest one gets a prize. I don't know what prize, but yesterday's verse. For our God is in heaven... What? For our, what is it, Psalms? Psalms 115.3. Write that on your refrigerator too. For God does whatever he pleases. He's God. Don't say why. Because he's going to say, because I'm God. Don't get to the place where he had to, has to rebuke you like he did Job. Say, were you there, son? Were you their daughter when I flung the stars in the sky? Who do you think you are? See, pride is dangerous. Okay? Pride makes us make bad decisions. Don't intermarry with them. Now, just in case y'all trying to bring that into today, I'm going to hell because I'm married to a Costa Rican. That's not what he's saying, okay? He was saying this out of religious purposes because those people were worshiping foreign gods. It wasn't a racial thing. It wasn't black and white or Hispanic and white. Or it was a religious thing. It was a God's thing. Don't marry them. In other words, today that means don't intermarry with unequally yoked people. Don't marry an unbeliever. Don't marry someone who worships Satan. Don't marry someone who worships another god. He says, don't do that. Why? Because he says, surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Y'all still with me? This is good preaching. Solomon clung to these in love. I didn't know that was a ring, this word, clung. I might have, probably would have said clang. Solomon clang. Duh. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his, wife turned, his wives turned away his heart. Y'all watching this? Turned away his heart, for it was so. When Solomon was old that his wives turned, now it doesn't say his wife turned his heart from God. It said his wives turned 
his heart after other gods. Look at this. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. Amen. Y'all getting this? This is good stuff. Looks can be deceiving. Don't just look at when somebody thinks or seems like they have it together. Say, God, show me their heart. Let me see the depths of who they really are. Show me their true life and their true actions. Amen? Don't ever judge anybody in this place by one action or by one look or by one day. Get to know people. Amen? Because you can be deceived both ways. Doesn't matter how, always how you look on the outside. It's what's right here. And I get that what's here is going to come out. But we need to understand that God weighs the intentions of the heart. And that is my desire. Now, last verse, if you go to the New Testament real quick, is, is, is powerful in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Remember, looks can be deceiving. Not everything is as it seems. And we see that with Solomon's life. Now, as we get to 1 Corinthians 10 and we close, think about how we understand that women were Solomon's problem. Okay? For other men, it might not be women. For other people, it might not be for women, it might not be men. There's something. Okay, it's whatever you say, well, what is it for me? I don't know. I'm not you. You do, and God does. And if you're sincere in your heart, you say, God, show me if you don't know. If you, if you honestly don't know, because we all have things we already know. Okay, I know that's, you know, I know what my weaknesses are. And you know what your weaknesses are. But besides knowing what my weaknesses are, I also want to know the ones I don't know. Does that make sense? I know obviously what my big weaknesses are, but my heart is continually praying every day, God, don't let me get sideswiped by something. Don't allow anything to come in that I don't know about and begin to manifest and begin to make home, amen, in my, in my house. You see a cockroach, you kill it before it multiplies. Okay, sorry to go back to the cockroaches again, but, right? You don't let them multiply and manifest and begin to make a home. You, you, you take care of it right there. That's why we have to pray every day. That's why we have to take this walk seriously. Because somewhere along the road, Solomon stopped praying. Somewhere along the road, Solomon stopped reading the word of God. Or he wouldn't have got all those horses and he wouldn't have got all that gold and silver. And he wouldn't have started marrying more than one wife. I mean, he lost it. 700 wives? I mean, it's crazy. But the thing is, is it might not be a, a, it might be a bottle. It might be a drug. It might be a relationship. It might be pride. I don't know what it is. But you know and God knows what that thing is that would keep you, that would, what, lead you astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, some people think, man, why do we need the Old Testament? I'm going to close with this. Watch, 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 1, more other brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea 
and were baptized into Moses and the cloud and the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them after, and that, was, that rock was Christ. But with, watch this, but with most of them, man, this is amazing, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. Does that mean that he can't be pleased with us? No. You don't take that verse and go, man, that, that means I'm not going to make it. Right? That's, that's, that's what our mind automatically does. Man, he wasn't pleased with the people in the Old Testament. I'm not going to make it. Yeah, you can make it. Go read what happened to David. David made it. And David made some big mistakes. And what does the Bible say about David? He was a man after God's own heart. Right? Come on. But he says... But with most of them, verse 5, he was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, why, why is this? Verse 6, this is the key. Now, these things became our examples. These things became our examples. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Okay? We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and became idolaters and then verse 8 commit sexual immorality as some of them did in one day 23,000 fell nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents nor complain as some of them were complained and became and were destroyed by the destroyer now verse 11 now all these things happened to them as what as what examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Musicians, you can come. Amen. Why are all these things in the Old Testament? To learn. Why is there a sign in the road that says curve ahead? Because someone's been to the curve and says a curve's going to take place. And if you don't watch the sign, you're going to go off the road. Don't be a hard-headed, prideful Christian. Be a soft-hearted, level-headed, teach-me-Lord Christian. Amen. We don't want to visit you in jail. We don't want to visit your grave. Amen. We want to see you in church. Right here. Making good decisions. Godly decisions. This is powerful. So we can take the example of Solomon and say, Lord, I don't want to be like that. I want his riches. Maybe you don't. Be careful what you ask for. And when you ask, you say, Lord, let it be your will. If it's your will. And at the end of the day, have peace and trust to say, God, if I'm supposed to have this, if I'm supposed to do this, if I'm supposed to say this, if I'm supposed to go there, let it be your will.